The 1990s were a time of change. Music had changed. Culture had changed. The century was changing. It would soon be the 21st century, and the year 2000 brought much anxiety. It also brought reruns. Reruns of television shows from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s as well. All over North America, people were watching Gilligan's Island, Mama's Family, WKRP in Cincinnati, and The Brady Bunch. This surge in popularity of The Brady Bunch on TV caused a, a revival of The Brady Bunch. It, um, it made people interested in it again. And people were seeing it for being not just a out-of-date uh, sitcom, but also a camp classic, which resulted in the, the Brady Bunch Live series of live performances held in, in various Hollywood theaters, which they upped the campiness and upped the intensity. And that's what inspired the film we're watching tonight. It's 1996's, or fives, uh, <laughs> <laughs> The Brady Bunch Movie! It's not by video! Here's a Ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. Hey, I'm Phil. Hey, I'm Kit. And I'm Graham saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem. I just got a booster for COVID, and I'm starting to lag in energy. I'm getting that post-booster uh, drop in energy, so uh, this is going to be... He's deflating. He's deflating. It's still going to be a fun episode. This was a very fun movie. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's also... It, the interesting thing is it's as much a time capsule of the nineteen early 1970s and late 1960s as... as is it, the 90s. Oh, yeah. It's very grunge-heavy. Very, Extremely grunge, yeah, which is great. Um, Same year as Clueless, and mm-hmm. now out of the three of us, Phil, you and I have seen this before. Yes, I believe I saw this one in the theater. So did I at the uh, good old Clarenville Twin Cinemas in Clarenville, Newfoundland, and Labrador. I, I have not seen it, but I do remember like I forget what movie uh, we'd gone to see, but I remember seeing the trailer for it on the big screen, and it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, it is one of those films where it's just like. It's hard to think it even like like how it got actually made, because it's just it was nineteen oh it was 19, 1995, right? Because you just think like doing a camp, almost parody revival, taking the family, not updating them for the nineteen nineties, but keeping them in that early nineteen seventies, late nineteen sixties culture and wardrobe and um and music, especially the music, and just putting them in literally the exact smack dab middle of the 1990s between grunge and new metal in Los Angeles. It's bizarre. I mean, the, there's all these like 90s signifiers as well at the start of the film. There's, you know, espresso bars and everyone's on a cell phone. So there's smog alerts. Yes. And references to LA gang warfare. Oh yeah. The drive by shooting warning <laughs> on the highway. Um, the film was directed by Betty Thomas, um, who, actually acted with one of the film's lead actresses, Shelley Long, in Troop Beverly Hills in 1989, but uh, in this one she was directing her. Yeah, Jenny Lewis in her the heyday of her child acting career was in Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Right. That was post or pre The Wizard? 
I think it was maybe around the same time yeah. as The Wizard. I definitely think The Wizard was peak Jenny Lewis. I still remember when Jenny Lewis the Musician started, and I was like, that can't be the Jenny Lewis from The Wizard. Turns out it was. Also, Jenny Lewis, the same Jenny Lewis of the Corn Pops commercials. Right. One from childhood. So, um, Betty Thomas also directed the films Only You in 1992, the Howard Stern biopic Private Parts in 1997, <laughs> the 1998 Dr. Doolittle movie, the... Year two th- with starring Eddie Murphy with Eddie Murphy yeah. yeah so yeah no the Brady Bunch like definitely broke her big in in like late nineties uh, comedy like mainstream studio comedies um, she then did the film with Sandra Bullock twenty eight days in two thousand in the year two thousand oh yeah I remember that that was a a rehab one it was a rehab yeah. comedy that was overshadowed by Girl Interrupted um, that's right yeah twenty eight days not to be confused with twenty eight days later I know yeah, which was always one of those things where it's like I love the joke online twenty man, this trilogy is the weirdest thing ever part one <laughs> twenty eight days like a rehab comedy part two a horror movie and the Betty Thomas only used not to be confused with the Marissa Tomei Robert Downey Jr movie this was the movie she directed had Andrew McCarthy, Kelly Preston, and Helen Hunt. Yep. She then went on to direct I Spy in 2002, which also starred Eddie Murphy and featured Owen Wilson. Uh, then she did 2006's John Tucker Must Die, and her last credit was 2009's Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. Um, which yeah. we all remember. Yeah, and love. I believe that was the movie that got uh, David Cross's other house. I think so, or was that... Part three, Chipwrecked, where he had to stay on a cruise ship for the entire ship. Right. Yeah. He, he was saying that there was a worthy compromise for whichever one he did. I think it was part two, because he does, he does complain quite a bit about part three, the Chipwrecked. Oh. Um, so the film stars, like I was saying before, it stars Shelley Long as as uh, Carol Brady. Sorry, I'm trying to remember all, all the time. Gary Cole as Mike Brady. Gary Cole, of course, best known from Office Space. Um as Lumberg, uh, Henriette Mantell as Alice, the, the housemaid, Christopher Daniel Barnes as Greg Brady. Uh, kids of the 90s will recognize him as being the voice of Spider-Man in the uh, late 90s Spider-Man cartoon and then the early 2000s Spider-Man video games on the PlayStation. Christine Taylor, who's probably the best known out of the Brady kids, she plays Marsha Brady. She also played Marsha Brady in the Brady Bunch Live on stage. Um, Paul Sutra plays Peter Brady, who is probably best, well, he's best known for this movie and his amazing puberty voice cracks um jennifer elise cox plays jan brady who kind of like steals the movie um interesting fact she is actually even though christine taylor plays the older marcia brady jennifer elise cox is actually the older jan is actually older in real life um and then we have olivia hack as cindy brady uh and jesse lee soffer as bobby brady um and then michael mckean shows up uh which is great as larry dittmeyer the next door neighbor who's also trying to get them to move uh, Gene Smart as Dina Dittmeyer. That's his wife, who's also very much into the Brady men, sometimes in appropriate ways. What was uh, Gene Smart most famous for? I mean, I mean, she's a very recognizable actress, but I'm just... Uh, she was on the sitcom Designing Women from 1996 right, to That's right. She also was in the final season of Arrested Development, where she played um, in the flashbacks, the fake flashbacks that were part of the ron howard produced and directed tv series was this the netflix this was the netflix it was i never got i never got to that part of the uh, show season oh yeah you missed uh graham watching uh catching up on arrested development yeah so i've been watching all of arrested development and when when phil showed up i was watching the last episode of arrested development season five which is most likely the last episode ever because jessica walter passed away and no one wants to hire jeffrey no one can work with jeffrey tambor anymore 
Um, but I do have to say, season five of Arrested Development is a huge improvement over season four. Season four was the one where everyone stopped watching. It's just, well, season four was bad, right? That was the one where they they mixed up the timelines. Well, and... What they what they did with season four was they Mitch Hurwitz got like a little bit big for his britches, where he's like, oh, this is like a new thing. Like we we'll drop all the episodes at once, but. You know what? I want to make it so that people can watch the episodes out of order, so that they then they won't feel lost. And then, like basically, each episode, it's like Rashomon. They tell the same right, story, right, but from right, every right. different member of the family's like um, perspective. And also, it was the fact that at the time, the individual cast members of Arrested Development were still riding high off of Arrested Development and were very busy. They couldn't get get them together. Get them all together all the time. Uh, whereas in season five, it is very much a mapped out. We have everyone. All together, even Jeffrey Tambor. Oh yeah, but it was before it was. Yeah. Before, they they filmed it all before the before the truth came actually, out. Actually, yeah, I kind of remember that uh, they were doing press for it when the truth came out, and then that was a kind of a miserable press tour for all of them. Yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> at the height of transparent and. Oh yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. That's interesting because there are some transparent jokes in Arrested Development. Um, but yeah, we're not here to talk about Arrested <laughs> Development. We're here to talk about the Brady Bunch. Um. Let's keep going through that cast list. Uh, shoot. Uh, Jack. Oh, Jean Smart also. She uh, was on the HBO Watchmen TV series where she played the adult Silk Spectre. Or the, right, all right. I never the, saw that. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, Jack knows where he plays Eric Dittmeyer. He is the son who's very grunge and very into. He. And also is dating uh, Mia Marissa Rabisi's character, Holly, who has. Uh, is kind of into Peter Brady, uh, so that's his like uh, adversary. And Jack Noseworthy, of course, uh, is known for Barbed Wire, Event Horizon, U five seven one, and a bunch of other stuff too. Oh, in Sino Man, um, trying to think about what he was in. I saw him in something recently. He's still acting. Oh, even he's now. in Breakdown. He's one of the villains yeah. in Breakdown. Yeah, he's one of the bad guys in Breakdown. Well, what, what is Breakdown? The Kurt Russell movie. Oh, it's great. It's a great thriller from the late nineties. Okay. Kurt well, Russell. I, I rewatched it a couple years ago. It still holds up. Yeah, that's I, I, I saw it in the theater and. I don't remember that one. I think I saw it earlier this year, and I really, really liked it for the first time. I remember like, all you way talking through. about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was quite good. Um, moving along, we've got um, James Avery, good old James Avery, aka Uncle Phil, aka Shredder from the Ninja Turtles, the cartoon series. He plays one of their neighbors, Steve Yeager, uh, and the aforementioned Marissa Rabisi is Holly. She, is, of course, is best known for her role in Dazed and Confused, um, and Pleasantville, and Felicity, and apparently she was also in an episode of Friends. Uh, she's also the sister of actor Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, and ex-wife of Beck. Oh, right. She married Beck. Was that pre or post Scientology? Well, both were raised Scientologists. Right. I always forget that about the Ribisis. And, and Beck um, was like, yeah, I'm not a Scientologist. I was raised into it, but I'm not a practicing Scientologist. Ah. But this was like post-divorce. But yeah, they were married for quite a while. Yeah. And Mercer Rubisi, of course, is Cynthia from Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. She took a uh, Mercer Rubisi took a big break from acting. She uh, she was last on in one episode of Watching Ellie in two thousand three, and then came back in two thousand twenty one with the television series On the Verge, which I am not familiar with. But yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it was to raise children or something like that. Um, and then, of course, there are cameo. Oh, RuPaul, we can't uh, ignore RuPaul plays Mrs. Cummings, and then uh, Elise. Uh, Elisa Penzler Gabrielli as Miss Lindley, the uh, the health teacher that uh, Peter Brady uh, faints in front of many times. 
You also have uh, Keon Young, who played Mr. Wu on uh, Deadwood. Oh, yeah. He's in it as a, uh, the owner of a series of fitness gyms, I think. Yes, Mr. Watanabe is his uh, name mm-hmm. in the cast listing here. But. Yep. And then the some of the original people from the show show up. Florence Henderson, the original Carol, shows up as a family's grandmother. Anne B. Davis, who's the original Alice, shows up as Schultze, a truck driver. Barry Williams, the original Greg Brady, shows up as a record producer. Christopher Knight shows up. Uh, he, the original Peter, he shows up as a coach. Peter, uh, Christopher Knight also showed up in Doom Generation or at the same time, uh, the Greg Araki movie. Yeah, yeah. No, he kind of, I don't want to say he had a second career, but he kind of, he kind of stuck around. He, he was riding that nostalgia wave for a really long time. Yeah, well, I mean. And this he, was this is well before the surreal life as well. And yeah, because he was on the, on the surreal life. And then he married Adrian Curry. She oh. was the winner of, I think, the first America's Next Top Model. Something like that. Yeah. And, yeah, like they were married for like six years. Uh, and now he's married to someone else. Um, let's take a look at his. Uh, yeah, because he was in Nowhere. He was in Dickie Roberts' former child star. Yeah, so he was in two Greg Araki movies then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was also in, not and by the way, Nowhere is the Greg Araki movie, not Dickie Roberts' former child yeah. star. Um, he was in American Pie Presents the Book of Love. Those are the terrible direct-to-DVD American Pie Sort of sequels that were all filmed around Toronto. Was this one of the ones you were watching on Tubi? No, it wasn't the thing that I watched okay. on Tubi that okay. screwed up my algorithm. <laughs> um, he had an appearance in The Lords of Salem, which is probably my favorite Rob Zombie film, although his scene was deleted. So that would have been interesting if he I, showed I up in that. I think that's sort of the fan favorite, apart from Halloween 2. Uh, Rob there's Zombie's there's still a lot of love for Devil's Rejects. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the big gets are three out of four of the monkeys... Davy Jones, Mickey Dolans, and Peter Tork show up. No Michael Nesmith, which is a shame because I'm a Michael Nesmith head. He, of course, is the he was the uh, guitar player in the band, and he was the one that strived for independence. And he was, of course, Phil the producer of Reba Man. Exactly, man's got good taste. And he also wore a toque a lot at first, and then he got rid of it wear. when he realized it became shtick. Also, you can't forget about David Proval, who plays the electrician. Oh, right. You'll know him as Richie April. He was also in Mean Streets. Yep. Um, so where to begin with the plot of this film? I mean, the film kind of stitches together a bunch of different elements from different episodes of the, twi- of, of the I was going to say of the Twilight Zone, of the Brady Bunch. So there is, of course, elements from the classic Oh My Nose episode where uh, Marsha Brady gets a football in the nose and then and the show, her date, because uh, she turns down a, a previous date and says, like, oh, something suddenly came up because a hotter guy asked her out and then the hotter guy saw her with her busted nose and was like, oh, something suddenly came up and broke her date. But in this one... He doesn't care. It's not his nose he's interested in. It's what's between her legs. Yeah, see, that's the funny thing. I never uh, did watch the Brady Bunch. It was just uh, whenever it came on in syndication, I was not in front of the television, so didn't really uh, hook on. But I, I got the sense that a lot of these were plot lines from from the show, like Cindy Brady being the tattletale, for example. Yeah, that, that was, was probably an episode. entire episode. Yeah, um, there was an, inf- an interesting reference to an episode where Peter Brady tries to tra- change his way of speaking, which is the pork, cho- pork chops and applesauce line, which is referenced in the movie as it's written on their chalkboard in their kitchen, pork chops and applesauce. That's right. A lot, of, a lot of Easter eggs for Brady heads. Exactly. Like me. They There's even a reference to their dog, Tiger, uh, when uh, Carol Brady says to Mike Brady, go get him, Tiger. And she's like, Tiger, whatever became of that dog? Because in uh, the Brady Bunch, in season one, they had a dog, but unfortunately, in between seasons, it got hit by a truck and died. And so they brought in another dog to be the replacement. However, it was very ill-tempered and didn't uh, mesh with the cast. So they just mm. wrote it out of, this, out, of the, <laughs> out of the series. No one got mauled. They didn't try again? They didn't try a third dog? No, no. I think they, it's... They, they avoided a Gordy situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I mean, there's no reference, although the interesting thing is that there's no reference in this movie to Cousin Oliver. So Cousin Oliver was a late period Brady Bunch edition where they were like, oh, the kids are getting a little old. Like, let's bring in some new cuteness. So they introduced Cousin Oliver, who came to live with them, who was this little blonde moppet who was just an annoying little brat. Man, so many shows did that. I remember the Cosby show famously yeah. did that with uh, Raven Simone there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the later seasons. Of course, because Rudy got a little old. Here's a new kid. Yeah. I, I can't even remember what the plot line was there. Yeah, that was such a sitcom trope. Yeah. Well, it's because it's how do you? Because the problem is like married with, with children even introduced a kid later. Yeah. But that was Caprio was that uh, character on Growing Pains. Yeah. But married with children's that was actually like a spoof of the cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. Ah, I see. Now, and I mean that's that's the issue with like the those types of sitcoms because the whole idea was. You wanted them to play in syndication. You didn't actually want to have a narrative, an overall storyline. So you needed anyone to be able to just pick it up and watch it. And also, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, the Brady kids are old. This doesn't feel like the Brady Bunch. Let's bring in a new character. They did that on the Cosby show again. Like, we need to have, like, a kid there constantly. And it's like, no, you can just age. Like, it happens. Yeah, just change the writing of the show. Yeah. I mean, your audience is aging with you, but that's not how they were thinking back in those days. No, no, no. They were thinking that it must remain the same all the time, always, and forever. Um it's funny, they joke about that on Arrested Development in season four and five because there are such huge gaps between seasons. Between season three and four was six years. And they make a joke that, like, in the short time George Michael was at sea, it aged him because it's <laughs> clearly he aged. Um, and then they, like, jump ahead a little bit. And then in, in season five, which came out in 2008, 2009, they only in storyline got up to 2015. So they keep saying, like, oh, 2015, what a hell of a time. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Um, but, yeah, like, so that's... There's no Cousin Oliver joke, although I think there is in the sequel, a very Brady sequel, which they rushed, in, rushed into production. It was released within a year. Wow. And that, of course, brings back um, Carol's husband, presumed dead husband. Ah, I see. And then they even tied into to, um, <laughs> to Gilligan's Island and Bewitched. Not Bewitched. Um, I Dream of, Dream of Genie. Are were they in Hawaii for that uh, movie? For the sequel? Yeah, they go to Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, and it's called the Very Brady sequel. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, little references to other contemporary shows, like the Partridge. You see the Partridge Bus. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the Monkeys. Um, Even though the Monkeys were a bit earlier than the Brady Bunch. That's true, but they but, kind of paved the way for that whole. Exactly, but Davy Jones actually had an appearance in the original Brady Bunch series at ah. the school dance, which he does in this movie, where he sings a song that starts off very '60s Davy Jones and becomes quite quickly a '90s grunge uh, ballad. I'll put it. I'll say that. And all the original Bradys are in there. I was even noticing, going through the cast, uh, even the, the littlest kids do get cameos, but it was cut. It was deleted, so you don't get to see them. But Yeah, there is a, there is a bunch of, like, it, there was a bit of a battle but, back and forth between the original creator of the show, Sherwood Schwartz, and the producers of this film, where, like, they wanted to go way more over the top and way more bizarre. Um but Sherwood Schwartz was like, no, they got to remain wholesome, too. And they do, for the most part. Like uh, Mike Lookinland, who played, uh, I guess, Bobby Brady. Yeah. He's uh, cop number three in a deleted scene, which kind of ties into... To young Bobby. Bobby being... Uh, being an authoritarian. Uh, and then uh, Susan Olsen, who played Cindy Brady. She's a reporter for the Daily Tattler. Ah! ah but we didn't get to see it. Eve Plum uh, did not appear, because she has... She, she left the Bradys behind. Or no, she showed up in the t So when they revived the Brady Bunch in the seventies as a variety hour, she was like, "No, I'm not doing that crap." Um, but when they did some TV movies in the eighties, they did the Brady Girls Get Married, uh, and then they actually tried to do. There was a revamp series in the eighties as well called Just the Brady's, which was like an hour long dramedy starring the the all the Brady people. Wow. Yeah, it didn't work so well. <laughs> 
I feel like they also tried this with Leave It to Beaver, did they not? Maybe I'm. I think there was like a Return of the Beaver movie or something. Yeah, but like, they... the, but like, no one even really acknowledged that it was Leave It to Beaver, because it was just the people grown up in, as adults. Of course, that's generations before, but I mean, it's all kind of the same mix for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Marie McCormick played Marsha Brady, and Eve Plum played Jan, Jan Brady. And Eve Plum, she went on to have like a, I don't want to say a better career, but she she did more daring stuff. So she was in Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway. Uh, she of course played Jan, and in this film, Jan runs away from home and actually walks down Hollywood Boulevard and it, it looks like it's the Hollywood Boulevard of 1981 but like by 1996 it was starting to become disnified and cleaned up um there's even an homage to the taxi driver soundtrack when she's walking down the street it's not the actual uh theme from taxi driver but it's it's close Eve Plum had a she was also in Nowhere the Greg Araki film uh she was in I'm gonna get you sucker uh she was also in the fantastic Eve Plum was in the fantastic 2013 film Blue Ruin which I highly recommend by Jeremy Saulnier um, oh, right. I've, I've been wanting to see that. It's great. That was uh, his kind of follow-up to Murder Party, which... Murder Party is great, too. I enjoy all of Jeremy Solnier's films. I haven't seen the, the Wolf movie he did, but I love Green Room. Uh, yeah. Green Room was Green great. Green Room was a good one, yeah. Yeah. Blue Room also had uh, Buzz from Home Alone. Right. That was kind of the return of his uh, yeah. his career. He recently... He appeared in this year's film, Kimmy. Okay. Yeah, which was uh, quite good. But yeah, she had a long... Yeah, Eve Plum probably had the most diverse career. She was in Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway... Um, she was in an episode of Wonder Woman. Uh, she was in the 1978 TV miniseries Little Women, where she played Beth. Uh, she was on The Love Boat for three episodes. She was on Fantasy Island for three episodes. She was in the show One Day at a Time for one episode. The Facts of Life, she did two episodes. Uh, Murder, she wrote, she was in for an episode. She was in an episode of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The Brady's, the, the one-hour dramedy, came out in 1990. She was in an episode of Lois and Quark that Clark... Lois and Quark. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. <laughs> Lois and Quark. Uh, the, uh, she was in ep- Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and of course, tie-in. like every single actor from the 1970s, she had a cameo in that 70s show. Um, so yeah, so a lot of a lot of details in this movie. Um, I mean, the plot kind of goes everywhere. The The main overarching plot of the film is that uh, somehow... It's a Happy Gilmore plot. Yeah, pretty much. Somehow the Bradys have become twenty thousand dollars past due on taxes for their house. Oh, it's because the their mail's been going to their next door neighbor, so oh, they Dick haven't Meyer. been getting the uh, they haven't been getting the mail. Yeah, even that seems a little weird. That it's like, oh, it's their, your fifth notice. Like you'd figure that um, Dittmeyer that they would have gotten their mail before like five notices had gone by. It's, it's just a plot. Thing. I know. I know. That's the thing. I, <laughs> the thing I like about '90s movies is that they weren't so concerned with realism or logic, so you could just let stuff go. Like at a certain point, um, Dittmeyer gets electrocuted by a wire, which would kill him in, in normal life, but uh, he just like gets knocked to the ground. His and hair then, goes up, and then his dog is about to pee d- d- on d- his this head. This is Home Alone realism. Uh... Yeah, '90s realism is yes. what I like to call it. There's uh, also a lot of innuendo, and you were saying that the uh, the original creators. Uh, were trying to tamp down on the sexual innuendo. I think they definitely like lowered that quite a bit from the, what was originally like in there because there's like a lot of innuendo. Like, well, it starts off with Alice getting hit right in the ass with a with a newspaper. Yeah. Well, and, we watched the DVD of it, and there's the MPA warning: uh, PG-13 for racy innuendos. Yeah, racy innuendos. Well, so, also the 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 two senior Bradys are constantly. Yeah, getting it on. Well, I think that was also a play on the fact that like the original Brady Bunch and the original show, uh, Mike and Carol Brady were the first on-screen married couple to actually share a bed. Like they weren't in two twin beds. And the movie's full of double entendres as well. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, it's so great. She's like, oh, it's time to put that bookmark in your 
in the book or something like that. Something, yeah. And then Sam later on, he's like, oh, I was delivering some meat. Well, what are you they, doing here, They show Sam? up in the middle of the night, and Alice has been seen wearing some weird negligee. Um, and it's like, oh, Sam, it's the middle of the night. What are you doing here? It's like, I had to deliver some meat to Alice. <laughs> you're like, yeah, Sam, I bet you were delivering that meat. Um, which is, of course, you know, was referenced by the Beastie Boys. I'm like, Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat. Oh, yeah. What song was that in? Oh. Was it Shake Your Rump? Yeah, it might have been yeah. Shake Your Rump. I think it was, yeah. Mike Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat. Yeah. Like Fred Flintstone running around with two feet. Two balls, two balls feet. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Fun times. Those Beastie Boys lyrics are really dense. Oh, yeah. I mean, they reference the taking of the Pelham 123. Oh, yeah. It's like the taking it was of the... on Ill, um, Ill Communication. Yeah. This movie, though. So the house is... Constantly on with Ponce de Leon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Constantly on Ponce de Leon. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, but in this film, so there's that, which ties into Cindy's tattling, which has become a thing, which is also an episode of the show where Mike, and I got to say, like, Gary Cole is great as Mike Brady in this because he just delivers platitudes like nobody's business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, every scene he has to deliver a lesson, and it's just sort of like, now, Cindy, when you tattle on someone, you're not just telling on them, but you're telling on yourself that you're a tattler telling on them. <laughs> And all kinds of other stuff like that, too. Uh, There's even a funny scene where uh, Jan runs away, and then she comes back, and then she, she talks about how, oh, you know, I feel welcome here, blah, blah, blah. I'm a Brady. Yeah, I couldn't and then, have said it better myself. Or, no. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself, but I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I will try to. Yeah, no. Gary Cole is awesome in this film. He does really, really well. I mean, this was also Shelley Long's, like, last big performance, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, Lila. Because last... she left, because her movie career was taken off, and then it stalled, and then... And then the Brady's happened, and then happened, and then it stalled again. Yeah, well, I mean, she did a bunch of guest spots on Frasier. She was oh, also sure. did guest spots on. So she um, returned to TV. Yeah, and she did guest spots on American, uh, not American Family, on Modern Family as well. Yeah. She plays the 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 mother of the of Julie Bowen's character. Uh, but back to this movie. So there's Cindy tattling. Jan is of course jealous of Marcia, which plays off the Marcia, Marcia, Marcia episode. There's a dance coming up, which plays off the Oh My Nose episode. Um, the only thing is, I do think uh, uh, Greg Brady in this film, he, he doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, Bobby gets some stuff, Peter gets an arc, and, and Greg just kind of is there. Even Cindy, Cindy Marsha, and Jan. Apart from the Johnny Bravo stuff, which... Which, yeah. Which was probably an episode as well. I, he probably even called himself Johnny Bravo in that episode, I've got to assume. I don't I don't recall it, and I watched that show religiously when I was a kid. Um, but, uh, but you know what? I, I mean, I kind of feel he got a sh- the short shift in this movie um but you know what he is also kind of like the most boring of the kids to be honest um uh but i don't know it's all fun i mean i love there's so many great sequences in this like when they get go to sears like it's a big deal like put on your sunday best kids we're going to sears and it's just them like going through a sears store and that scene, like dancing down the escalator yeah, and, and singing i think i'll go for a walk outside yeah it's great the interesting thing, though, about the Sears sequence is that it was actually shot in Honolulu, Hawaii, at a Sears, a decommissioned Sears store. Huh. So, I mean, it's not as bad to fly from here, from Los Angeles to Hawaii, uh, as as opposed to from here in Toronto to Hawaii. Um, so, I guess they went there and shot it um, in Honolulu at a at a commissioned Sears store, which is fascinating and such an interesting way to do it. Probably just fun for the cast and crew. Yeah. They're like, hey, they're going to do it's this also, little bonus thing. It was the 90s budgets. I, I guess they were filming a very British sequel while they were there. No, no. They, oh, they went okay. back. Um, 
Actually, I don't know if they shot a Barry Brady sequel in uh, in Hawaii or if they just faked it. But, I mean, the majority of the film was shot in Los Angeles, which is why there are so many great, like, Los Angeles actors in it, like Wu from um, from Deadwood and that guy from The Sopranos. And then a bunch of, like, pretty much everyone in it is a familiar face. Even Eddie the Carjacker looks familiar. I like Eddie the Carjacker's arc where it's like they're driving to school. Uh, it's um, Marsha and Greg are driving to school in their mother's uh, station wagon. And at a stop sign... Eddie comes up, knocks on the window, is like, okay, you got to get out. This is a car, Jack. And um, Greg's like, oh, no, I know it's a car, but my name's not Jack. It's Greg. And who are you? Yeah. Bobby. Yeah, that scene was in all the trailers. Yeah, that's what I remember from the trailers. So. Yeah, that yeah. Was kind of the... Uh, and all the TV spots as well. Mm-hmm. The conflicting worlds is, is yeah. illustrated right Which there. they also kind of do in the Beverly Hillbillies movie, which came out around the same time. Oh, yeah, man, there were so remember, many of those. Yeah, remember, well, because it was... The Revenge of the Baby Boomers. Like, oh, because I believe that was Penelope Spears who directed that one. Yeah, it was. But uh, if you remember, first gig, like right after Wayne's World. Yeah. Mission Impossible was right in 96 Mm -hmm. as well. Man. Well, it's because, again, the Baby Boomers were like, all that crap we liked when we were were young, it's worthy of being a movie now. So, meh. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be doing the same thing. No, we're not, because we're just repeating the old stuff again. Like, that's the thing. We're on a a cycle of nostalgia. Like, is anyone going to be, like, in, in 10 years going to be like, we need to do the Arrested Development movie, or we need to do the... The Dawson's the, Creek movie. The Dawson's Creek movie. Well, Actually, they just put out Ghostbusters, for example. And the, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That was a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, but that's a cash-in on, on our nostalgia. It's more of a pre-millennial thing. Yeah. Yeah, but... I mean, that's, that's millennial. Cause, like, late millennial. Like, yeah. yeah, early millennials. Like, Whatever, I don't, I don't know. You'll you'll see some more of it, I'm sure. It's, there's a, there's a well to be mined there in the 90s. What, but... What what from the night? We're not going to see a Friends movie because that would cost too much. You can't do a Seinfeld movie either. No, unless you just see. That's why I think we need to see bootleg versions of this. Like I kind of want to see that comedian that did Seinfeld '98 on stage, which I was telling you guys about. Like, what's the deal with girlfriends and math homework? <laughs> um, yeah, that would that would be a lawsuit from Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, right yeah there. for sure. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing like a bootleg Friends remake with like an all black cast or something. Hey, why not? I mean, technically, it was Living Single, which predated Friends. That was, like, the black version of Friends, even though Friends kind of ripped it off. Um, um, they did They did recently do a fresh, a, kind of a gritty Fresh Prince oh, of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which I didn't watch. No one watched it because it was on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> Zing. And I work for Paramount+, Plus occasionally. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> They're really trying with the advertising at uh, Bloor Station. Oh my god, there was a big Paramount Plus, because like, cause everyone, no one realized Paramount Plus is available in Canada, everyone just assumed it wasn't, yeah. and so now they're trying to say, like, no, no, it's here, I do want to watch it for its Godfather series, but um, I hear that's not, not good. Sylvester Stallone's on. That, all the Sylvester Stallone shows, I think they're on uh, Amazon. No, it's Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. Oh, right, because it's the, it's the guy who created Yellowstone, right? I don't know, but... They're just call- Sylvester Stallone's mug is all over the Paramount Plus ads. Cool. It's just too many apps. It's just, it's. Yeah. Hey, man, guess what? All that cord cutting, you're just getting a new cord. Yeah. It's wireless now. That's the thing. They fooled us. They fooled us good. You know what's ripe for a revival? What's that? Alf. Bring yeah. back, Bring back that puppet. Yeah. They tried to do the it. CGI Alf. <laughs> no. I would, I would demand a practical yeah. Alf. Okay, I do. I, I'm going to try and get us back on topic, but you guys remember. <laughs> That apparently Alf, the reason why it ended so abruptly, because it ended on a cliffhanger when Alf Yeah, when the, 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 the government found him, right? Yep. So the reason being is that everyone was just so frustrated working with the Alf puppet because it was so... <laughs> all the all the shoots went crazy long, and like the guy who played the dad, like apparently this happened. 
he like one day just snapped and started choking out the elf puppet. Even though, <laughs> I need footage of that. <laughs> even though it's just like he just like lost his mind because but he was just method acting. That's supposed to be his character. <laughs> He's supposed to really barely be able to stand elf. Dad chokes out elf. <laughs> uh, oh no, this is all just a bunch of like sad stories about dads choking their kids. Okay, I'm not gonna continue. But yeah, I did hear that story that like at one point he just snapped on the puppet being like, screw you, I hate you. Um, but back to the Brady Bunch it's, movie. It, what's funny, last last point on 90s nostalgia, you'd, you'd think that like the biggest, I think, uh, sitcom of the 90s from our generation is still on the friggin' television, The Simpsons. So you That's can't true. even... Well, because it never stopped. It hasn't never stopped. Never stopped, no. I mean, like, they've... At one point, there was almost a point where the entire cast was going to walk off. And they actually had hired soundalikes to take over, which I'm kind of like, shit, like, there's really no way to, for it to end. I mean, speaking of voice actors, James Avery is in this film. He was the voice of Shredder. That's true. Uh, and he was the uncle on Fresh, uh, Fresh Prince. So, I mean, guys, what is the actual story of this movie? Because it's a whole hodgepodge of stuff. You, you summed it up. The basic uh, plot line is they're short $20,000. Uh, Michael McKean, want, he hates them. Uh, and he wants their house gone. He's actually trying to sell the whole block. Um uh, to condo developers or something like that. And uh, the Bradys have to band together to somehow come up with the $20,000. Initially, uh, Greg does. Or not Greg. Uh, who's the father? Mike. 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 When he sells his to Mr. Wontanabe, yeah. yeah. He sells his design, which is just his house, which he designed himself, but with like different signs on the roof. That's a, a running gag. Uh, mm -hmm. He always does that. Uh, but then uh, Michael Mike, Michael McKean sabotages that, and then he's going to get the mm -hmm. house, and then uh, they he get... He sabotages in a very funny way. Yeah, he tells us, like, oh, Greg, uh, or not Mike Brady, like, I guess you're going to have to wait until he's dry, dried out. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, like, he's there's a big lawsuit because he uh, designed this old folks' home that collapsed and killed everyone inside. Including the grandkids. And it was Christmas and Day, puppies. and there were Christmas Day, and then it was Christmas, and I heard there might have been puppies there. And they all died. Let's have a moment of silence for their in their memory, and everyone kind of bows. Michael McKean is a great tuck, comedic villain. Oh, he's fantastic. Short Circuit Two. Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, the Toronto. Well, he, he, was, he was more of sinister in that one. No, Michael McKean was the buddy in Short Circuit oh, Two. Oh, right. Well, yeah, and also Short It just it kills me that they goddamn couldn't cast an actual South Asian person. Well, they got the same guy who was in the first one. As Ben. So they were kind I know, of committed but, to that. But no, but I mean in both movies because I'm just like, you know, I've got little nephews. I'm like, oh, I love Short Circuit. Like, I'm going to show it to them. I'm like, I really don't no, want them to see that racist no. brown face. <laughs> like, but you can see the CN Tower in some scenes. I know. That's in, that's in Short Circuit, too. <laughs> which I had no idea was shot in Toronto until I moved here. There's n there was no production design budget for that movie at all. No. Times Square was they, just they, old they Dundas able, Square. They were just able to afford a New York Post box, and that's it. I was very depressed when I saw on Young Street they got rid of the there was the big screen that yeah, uh, that Johnny Five up. used to like give Ben Nahaji his, his cues yeah. when he was talking with his girl and like I remember walking up Young Street and be like that's the screen from Short Circuit too. Also, the world's biggest bookstore where yeah. Phil, our, yeah. our very own Phil, used to work. I know, R.I.P. World's biggest bookstore. That's fine. Yeah, every time. Oh no! Every time I bike down Young Street, like in Springer, well, I was there. It's like this place can burn to the ground. I don't care. No, I love when I first came to Toronto. Man, that place was great. I used to bump into you there. Yeah. Um, but uh, every like early spring, the first time I like bike down Young Street all the way from Young and Bloor down to like Queen, I always hum the Short Circuit Two theme song. Nice. It's such a good theme song. I I don't know that. Can you hum it for us now, Graham? No, I'm just doing rhythm of the like um. Rhythm of the Night. Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. <laughs> um, hang on, let me look it up. 
real bass heavy. Yeah. Heard of Seinfeld. All right, I'm into it. Oh, Johnny number five. Anyways, that's what goes through my head every time I bike down Young Street. Because <laughs> for the longest time, Young Street didn't change, and now all the old brick buildings are getting torn down for stupid condos. Boom. I know. And that's that, that was the thing. Like, when I first moved to Toronto, like, I was told, don't worry, Young Street will never get gentrified. It'll always be a dump. And I was like, yes. And now the dump's Speaking gone. Speaking of gentrification, this movie has a very strong anti gentrification it message. It does, because at the Tying end. Tying right back into it, Phil. Well the, done. At the end of the movie, when the Bradys save their house, uh, Mike Brady. How, how do they save their house? Well, they participate in a new music star search song or uh, contest. For the $20,000. $20, which is exactly what they need, which. Jan raises earlier on in the film, but all the Brady's dismiss her. And then later on, when it's over and they're actually going to get move out, uh, Marsha brings it up, it. and Jan's like, "Hey, that was my idea." And everyone's like, "No, it's not, Jan. You didn't come up with that, Jan." Stop being selfish, Jan. Come on, Jan. And then Jan runs away. Exactly. And which, that's how we meet Trucker Alice. Exactly, Schultzy, as she's called in this. Yes. That's which right. I think is an homage to a character that that the original Alice played before the Brady Bunch, but I can't be one hundred percent sure. Um, there's too many layers to this film. But at the end, but yeah, so they participate in this, and of course they're like a totally out of date, out of like it's all grunge acts aside, mm-hmm. and like some hip hop acts you see backstage, you don't see them perform. Exactly, um, and a trumpeting act for some reason. There's like a bunch of girls with like trombones. It's probably third wave ska. Yeah, oh, that yeah. would have been right around the time when ska came out because they were trying to stop kids from listening to because uh, ska and also big band too. Brian Seltzer Orchestra. Yeah, ska. Oh, that's before the Swing Revival. Oh, okay. No, the Swing Revival happened in the early '90s because Royal Crown Review showed up in the Mask, which was actually uh, Youth right. Brigade. Yeah, right. Um, right. during that period where they weren't Youth Brigade and they became a swing band, um, and then Swing got popularized in the late '90s because it was meant to try and get kids off of gangster rap. <laughs> that and Scott both were like they got pushed heavily by major labels because it's like oh white kids are listening to gangster rap we can't have that let's have them listen to ska the whitest version of reggae that they that possibly ever existed third wave ska that is and swing music which wasn't even called swing music in the original days it was actually called big band music yeah that's what i said mm-hmm. exactly um so yeah so they compete in this contest where they're in like very frilly like Very 70s monocolored yeah. uh, 70s costumes. Probably the same stuff they were wearing on that, uh, yeah. as you were saying, the... Um... The Brady Bunch Variety Hour? Yeah, yeah. And then we should also point out that Peter Brady finally, like, throughout the whole show, his voice is cracking, he's in puberty. He faints in health class when his uh, hot French, or his hot uh, phys- sex ed teacher, who is French, tries to get him to, like, use the pointer stick to point out the uh, the path of the ovaries. Uh, yeah, the fallopian tubes yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. He passes out, and then he actually bump, bump, uh, bumps into her at the school dance and passes out again because he accidentally touches her boobs, um, which I'm sure happened to all of us in high school. We just like, ah, faint at the, the mere contact with another human being. The actor's really good at the squeaky voice. He really nails it. Oh, he's great. Yeah, just a total. I can't even fake doing it because he's so good at it. Um, but his his rival the entire time, the um, the Dittmeyer son who is dating uh, Marissa. Uh, noseworthy there. Yeah, who is dating uh, Marissa Rabisi. Um, he's kind of his rival in picking on him, and then just before they're about to go on stage, he um, uh, he they get into a fight. 
of course, um, Dittmeyer steps on like a, a mic stand and it hits him in the balls, which takes him out. And then Mercer Rubisi kisses uh, Peter Brady and his voice drops instantly to like a hello, baby. Yeah, he's Elvis all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there, there is also development where um, both uh, Marsha and Peter, they uh, come to terms with their sexuality. Yeah, for sure. Marsha? Well, because, you know, there's the creep dude who's trying to sleep yeah. with her and French kisses her and then... And then, There's the competing love interest, like the guy, the nice guy, ba- Charlie, the nice guy yeah. who's basically like the Brady Bunch. Exactly. He, he, well, he and, but then Marsha Frenches him. Yeah, and later. he's like, oh, something suddenly came up and has to run away. Like, There's double that entendre double entendre, entendre again. again. We didn't bring up the... The, the lesbian uh, oh, best friend. I was going to bring up the sandwich line. Oh, okay. So the, the neighbor, Mrs. Dittmeyer, um, uh, Greg is like cutting, cutting through their lawn, and she's like, oh, you're growing up big just like your daddy. She, she likes those teenage boys. And she likes the, the she likes all the Bradys, because she, or Brady men, because she even when Cindy comes across to get her mail, she tells her tells Cindy like, hey, can you let your daddy know this this Christmas? I'll be happy to wrap his package. And she does. She faithfully reports this to her mom. <laughs> and, and Carol Brady's like, she does, does she? Um, ha ha. Hilarity abounds. But later on, Greg Brady is like cutting through along, and then Peter Brady comes along and asks, like, hey, can I mow your lawn? And she's like, yes, of course. And then afterwards, why don't you? And like, she's like, oh, two Bradys, because she's between them. And she's like, okay, boys, once you're done mowing along, why don't you come back into my place and help me make a sandwich? And you're just like, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, but also going with the the modern times, Brady's mm-hmm. in modern times, there is a, uh, Marsha has a, her best friend is actually a lesbian who has a huge crush yeah. on her. Mm-hmm. Who then. I guess she finds somebody. Yeah. She finds somebody. She finds like so the 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 love interest for Marsha who has like a backup girl who he basically like goes immediately to after after Marsha refuses to sleep with him. He also says the something came up line. Yeah, something subtly came up. Um he also it's funny how like her version of third base is hand on shoulder. Um <laughs> cuz she's like, "Oh, your hands on my shoulder. That's third base." And us Brady women, we don't go for that sort of thing. Um, and then he just leaves her on the side of the road, which is where she meets Mickey, uh, not Mickey Dolan's, where she meets Davy Jones. Sorry, we're all over the place. This isn't really a, really a plot recap because it's all just a hodgepodge of stuff. That's what the movie is, though. Yeah. Super fun. Um, where do we go from there, guys? Oh, well, they, uh, then, then they go on stage, they perform their song. Uh, oh, three people clap. Three people clap. But what, what is the song again? How does it go? Oh, man. <sighs> It's not, I think I go for, I'll go for a walk outside. I think it's keep on moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to keep on, keep on, keep on moving. Um, um, three people clap, but they surprisingly win the award because the judges are... The Monkees! Hey. Minus Michael Nesmith. <laughs> Michael Nesmith, he, like, he didn't sell out, man. He came back for their reunion album in the 80s, and then he did like one tour with them in the early 2000s, and then... Peaced out, yeah. Yeah, well then, sadly, Peter... Um, Tork. Uh, Peter Tork passed. Well, no, uh, Davy Jones passed away first, I think, and then Peter Tork. I think so, yeah. Peter Tork passed away. I think Mickey Dolan's. Mickey is, Dolan's is still alive. Yeah, he's yeah, the last. Mickey, monkey. He's the last monkey. Him yeah. and uh, I guess uh, well Ringo and Paul are still alive. So yeah, I know they should get together. <laughs> they should. I mean, everyone knows the monkeys was a huge influence on the Beatles. That's correct. A little Thank dumb you, and dumb, dumb, yeah, dumb and dumber reference there. Um, cool. So they perform this thing, then they like have to rush home, but of course evil the evil Dittmeyer like gets his son to like pull the wires in their car so it doesn't go this is all you can you can pierce anything you want which i said oh it's gonna be a prince john getting the (laughs) reference wrong that it's actually a prince albert prince albert is the the penis piercing yeah the penile piercing um no 
don't do that folks anyway yeah the uh the brady's come back to their car the wires are torn out they're always confused but in a mm-hmm. kind of a very good-natured way yeah. they're like how could this happen yeah but then luckily they spot their friend eddie the carjacker uh breaking into another car the alarm goes off and she and they run over and be like eddie you got to give us a ride back to our house blah, blah blah the cops show up to be like son is this your car it's like of course it is like we need eddie to drive us home it's like where are your keys and he's like oh i forgot them and they're like oh no what are we gonna do and then Carol and Mike both give a stirring speech to the cops, and the cops give them a full police like escort back to their house. One of, one of the cops is played by the same actor who played Poppy in the Seinfeld. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Again, a lot of good... peas on the peas on the couch. Oh right. Again, a lot of really great. <laughs> also, doesn't wipe his hands before. Yeah, he that. doesn't. He yeah, doesn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. He pees and then he doesn't. A lot of pee jokes with Poppy. Yeah. Oh, Poppy peeing. Um. So after that. Uh, yeah, they get their house back. Mike gives another speech, and the the entire town decide the entire neighborhood is like, "This is a really great neighborhood. Like, we'll never get neighbors like the Bradys ever again." Because he brings up the whole thing of like everyone knows in January, you've got your infamous uh, Super Bowl party. Say infamous. Oh no, it's like <laughs> I don't your, think your, it's an infamous your Super Bowl party. party. <laughs> and come springtime, like her flower daffodils are the most beautiful in the city. And then everyone knows at ten fifteen a.m. on Saturday, Mrs. Newmeyer likes to walk naked through her living room. <laughs> all the guys are like, oh, yeah, we all know about that. And the wives are like, you knew? Like, ugh. Um, and, yeah, and then after that, uh, and by the way, Eddie comes with them. I always love the fact that Eddie, like, becomes, like, an honorary Brady at this point because he travels with them to their house. He's actually there being like, come on, like, let's save the Brady house. Is he is he in the sequel? He, uh, no. Oh. It would be great if Eddie was just like, oh, that's Cousin Eddie now. Or yeah, not, yeah. As opposed to Cousin Oliver. It's like, oh, Eddie, like, you know, like, it's so great that you can, like, hang it around the house, you know. He's constantly they just Brady fire him. Yeah. Um and then they decide, like, hey, let's go see grandma. And grandma, of course, is played by Florence Henderson, the original Carol Brady. And hey. And this is where um uh, we have uh Jan Brady's like internal voices. Cause she another motif is that like she is well, the school psycholo- psychologist basically Play, says she has schizophrenia. Played by RuPaul. Played by RuPaul. Basically says she has paranoid schizophrenia. Um and then uh, she seems to have, yeah. yeah. There's even a, a sinister uh, exorcist-like voice that enters it's her head. It's the new Jan Brady. Uh, the key reason why she's going to see the school psychologist is because uh, she's self-conscious about having to wear glasses. And she doesn't wear glasses, which which creates a great gag at the start of the film where she just constantly rides her bike to school running into, like, the fence, the hedge, the garbage. And she mistakes being flipped off for a driver, driver way yeah. water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... You know, Florence Henderson says, oh, cut the crap, Jan. And then it cures her. Unfortunately, Cindy then gets a little... Uh, yes, voices start uh, appearing yeah. in Cindy's head. Although I do like Michael McKean early on referencing her as Bad Seed, because she does look like the, the little the girl from the from Bad, bad seed. seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the Brady Bunch The girl movie. from the Bad Seed who was in the, the previous Death by Video episode, Clifford, in a cameo. Ah, there you we go. We don't speak of Clifford. <laughs> yes, we do. We all love Clifford. No, we don't. Terrible <laughs> movie. It'll be Psycho 8 for the next six months if you don't <laughs> if you ever bring up Clifford again. Um, we got to do Psycho 8, too. Um, yeah, we, we really do not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the Brady Bunch movie. So, Phil, what are your final thoughts on the Brady Bunch movie? It's a fun one. Um, I'm not nuts about the 90s, cult, you know, like, culture clash Oh, I, I loved it because it's almost as much a parody of the 90s as it is the early 70s. No, for sure. But, like, I, I guess it's just it's not that funny it's like the stuff that like sticks to the, like the more traditional elements of the pretty much um especially like the jan arc is absolutely hilarious yeah 
But on the whole, you liked it. On the whole, I liked it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, this is kind of a forget forgotten gem of the of the nineties, yeah. which I think a lot of people like dismiss as being because because it, it was popular at the time, but it's yeah. people have kind of moved on from that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's also like it's just such an odd thing because now it's a it's a time I mean, capsule I mean, of a time capsule. Time capsule of a time capsule, and um, again, like the anti gentrification message. Uh, oh yeah, we're which, all which, Mike which, Brady's which, today. Well, it, it's kind of sad because. Los Angeles, of course. I mean, like pretty much every metropolitan city in um, North America. Well, it's all, well, at a certain, at right, a but like Los yeah. Angeles was probably like among the worst. Uh, yeah, gentrified. Hit, hit by that. Yeah, but I mean, like the other thing is like halfway through the movie when Michael McKean offers Mike Brady, like I'll give you five hundred uh, five hundred thousand for it, and I'm like, ha, huh, like because his house now is like four million. No, of course. Yeah. I always hate seeing like, oh, this like rundown shack in downtown Toronto. How much is it going for? Two point nine million. Great. And, and I like the visuals. Like they kept the the, the washed out seventies. Uh, uh, All the pastels. The pastels yeah. of yeah. The, the Brady House. Well, it was great how in the Brady like the Brady House was almost like its separate universe, and then yes. everything outside was a bit more gritty. No, and real. I, that's yeah, very nineteen ninety five. That that was clever visual yeah. contrast mm-hmm. that I liked about the movie. Cool. Kit, did you have something to say? But yeah, anyway, like the movie is mostly funny, but like the double entendre jokes are kind of groany for the most part. But yeah, yeah. But but I, but I otherwise I still enjoy the movie. It's yeah. still a fun watch. Oh, it's great. And I'll probably watch a very Brady sequel at some point, which yeah. I've never seen. Now you're all chomping at the bit to see a very Brady yeah. sequel. Yes. Oh, Kit, what sorry. are your final thoughts on <laughs> I, I, the Brady Bunch movie? I was waiting for you to say that. Um, oh, I was just going to add to the, uh, that's something I'd noticed about whenever they're in the Brady house, like even when Michael McKean finally, he does drop in at one point, it's like the lighting and maybe even the lens they're using is oh, different. Oh, it's totally different. It's, yeah. It's very much like a 70s TV it show. It was definitely like flatter lenses for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. And then when you're outside the house, it's just like a, any old nineties movie. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. I'd never seen it before. Uh, lots of, uh, good humored, uh, nice, uh, uh, laughs. And gags and spoofs, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Just uh, you end up. Uh, I mean, the Brady clan is very endearing. I know they uh, they lean into the camp, which I guess wasn't really a part of the original show. Again, I never used to watch it. Well, I mean, it, it's become campy in hindsight. It wasn't. In, in it hindsight, wasn't intended yeah. to be. It was just uh, meant to be of its time, mm-hmm. but um, in the, by the nineties, it had become camp, and they they lean into it, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, all the all the actors are good. Shelley Long and. Um, Cole? Gary Cole, mm-hmm. uh, especially as the parents. Uh, yeah. The woman who does Alice is actually really good, too. Yeah, let's look her up, because I, I didn't really look too much into her background. Um, she bl- looks uncannily like the uh, the old Alice. Oh, totally. It almost makes you think that it's the same actress, but it's not. So, yeah, so the actress who played Alice, she is, of course... She's always saying things, too, like when yeah. she's on the vibrating chair, she's like, Ooh, it's I thought, like Sam's magic fingers. I thought Sam had magic fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Henriette Mantle. Well, it's like there's also this thing where, like, uh, when Cindy goes over at the start of the movie to um, Dip Meyer's house with Michael McKean, he's like, oh, I'm tired of taking it in the rear. And then Cindy says, like, oh, Mr. Dip Meyer said he was tired of taking it in the rear. And then Alice is like, oh, I guess it's that paper boy again. Because <laughs> she got hit in the butt with a thing, but yeah, Harry, uh, Henriette Mantel is plays Alice. She's apparently more known for being a writer than actually being an, an actress. Um, her last role, uh, no. I, I would say that yeah. Oh, go on if you want to. I was gonna say the uh, the star really is uh, Jennifer uh, Elise Cox who plays Jan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she she's the funniest and she does the most work. Mm-hmm. 
So, so she's known just for... her mugging for the camera as mm-hmm. her thoughts kind of play off each other. Is, oh, it's great. Is uh, uh, comedy gold each time. Yeah, the Brady Bunch movie was uh, Henriette's first um, film, and she of course uh, immediately appeared in a very Brady sequel. Uh, then she did like mostly TV. She was in Roswell, Will and Grace. Um, she was in The Animal, starring Rob Schneider. Um, she was in Friends as a nurse. Uh, she was in The Office, playing an office worker. She was that? in Everybody Loves Raymond, also playing a nurse. Nothing really too well known. She was in the show The Comeback, uh, the Jeff Garland program, the Silver Sarah Silverman program, Sex in the City, Law and Order, Family Guy, Grown Ups, uh, the m- movie. Yeah, the movie. Um, and then a bunch more TV in the middle, the Michael J. Fox show, the other F word in 2017, and that's about it. Um, but yeah, so final thoughts, kid, are you, you dug it? Oh yeah, yeah, B- uh, big fan. Cool. Uh, and for my final thoughts, yeah, I've, en- I've enjoyed this movie. I remember liking it when I was a kid, and now I feel I get way more of the jokes now that I'm an adult, because I was about 12 when this movie came out. Um, and uh, not about, I was, no, I was actually 11 when this film came out. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's great. It's really well shot. I'm slowly beginning to like more and more 1990s movies um, because I always had an issue with how they looked, but now it's like I appreciate it because it was before the the age of digital color grading, which started in the year 2000 with uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and now dominates the industry, which is why I always call a lot of modern films don't look good. I call it that digital mayonnaise that they spread on it because they just tweak the image way too much as opposed to being like, hey, man, you're supposed to shoot it how you want it to look. Um, yeah, I really dig this film. Super funny. Uh, looking forward to watching a very Brady sequel for the first time in probably 25 years. Um, yeah, all around good time. DBV approved. Yeah, that's yeah. thumbs up all around, I think. Cool. Yeah. All right, we'll be back with another episode at some point in the future um, for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm still Graham saying thank you so much for listening. Keep watching amazing movies. Good night. Here's a story.